The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. to a huge shout out to the realm network thank you for hosting this show and for putting up with that oh god you know him you love him grandpa vince vince russo's brand and to all the patrons thank you for paying attention and listening each week god bless you love you just appreciate i have to burp excuse me (laughs) i just appreciate you being here so much we've got a very different guest for you today she is, uh, she's a trainer, she's an athlete, she's an author. She's been featured on shows, well, she's been on like the TEDx and the Doctors, Megan Kelly, Hallmark. Everybody wants to talk to this woman because she's been through the ringer and back. You want to talk about hitting rock bottom and then surviving, coming through with flying colors, with true grit and grace? Then put your hands together. And a warm Realm Network welcome for our next guest. There are a lot of really, really wonderful, a lot of guys, a lot of bros. It's the Bro Network. And they would find you very beautiful on the outside, but they would also find you very beautiful on the inside. And guys, bros, the reason that I wanted Amber to come on the show today is because I know a lot of you, especially our friends across the pond, suffer with all kinds of different pain. And that's from you know chronic, physical, mental, depression, And this hot ass bitch has been through the ringer and back. She is beautiful. And one of the things that I I love about her is she openly talks about God. And I just think Mm. I can't harp enough on everybody this week. I just plant my little seeds. But there's a lot of people out there that don't believe. And it's not that they're atheists, they're agnostic, or they don't know what's cooking. And I like to share stories, obviously, of triumph. Got to hear about this woman's book. It's amazing. Um, where people lean on on a, a, a higher power, all Jesus, uh, your angels, your guardian, whatever you want to call it. So, I mean, Amber, you have told your story. I've listened to it all week, and I know it really well. And, you know, we can touch on some of that so people know why you are uh, an expert and an authority on speaking about pain. That's important. But... I also want to use the time that we have and I respect yours greatly to talk about anything that you don't normally get a chance to talk about, or maybe some things have changed. I noticed you wrote your book in 2019, you know, what has changed? Would you have changed chapters? Would they stay the same? Just, just, I want to make sure that this platform today is a chance for you to maybe not just go through the normal, this is what happened to me. This is yeah, just yeah. anything that you want to talk about. And right off the bat, because it's always at the flipping end, you know, yeah. I hate that because people don't I know. You know what so, it is. It's always when we stop recording and we start talking, that's when, you know, we say stuff We're like, oh, we should have been recording. But oh. I just say I when I met you, I was instantly connected. Um, I think I could describe it as it felt like home. I, there's so like, kind. I, I do. I just feel like, um, even though we've never even met in person, we've just talked through texts and, and, and voice messages and stuff like that. It just feels good to be with you in your presence. When I have your name pop up on my phone, it feels kind. good. And, and I just appreciate you so much and all you do. And I'm so grateful to be here and to, to share. Um, I, I kind of laughed a little bit when you said I was an expert um, in like the resilience and the grit stuff, because the only reason I would ever call myself an expert is because I've just failed 
so many times. I have fallen so many times. I've just been a mess and hit rock bottom a couple of times. <laughs> and actually just the other day here in Los Angeles, we had an earthquake at like 4.45 in the morning. And that's usually my alarm set every morning for 4.45. And the earthquake happened at like, it was 4.43. It was a 4.0. And it, I have a glass collection of bought these beautiful bought antique bottles and man they shook it was like the the house was like bam it was a really a big jolt my first thought was it an earthquake my husband was downstairs and he comes running up the stairs and he's like are you okay are you okay did you fall again like he has post-traumatic I think he probably wouldn't like me saying that but I was like oh my gosh I have tormented my husband so much over the years because I've been on crutches in a wheelchair and, you know, I fell down the stairs three times and one time busted a hole in the wall on the landing. And I was like, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm okay. He thought I like busted a hole through the wall. So when we had the earthquake and it shook the house, he thought there she fell again. So I'm back up. You know, the, the good thing about resilience is that we all have it. We can all tap into it. But what I've learned is I have to do things every day to, to really get a good foundation. Um, so when things happen that aren't planned, um, I don't, I, I don't spiral out way out of control or get completely derailed. I can, you know, I feel grounded enough where I'm shaken up a little bit, but I'm like, I have this toolbox of things to get me through those moments. And, you know, after surviving a near-death accident and having 34 surgeries to save my leg from amputation, it was a lot of being put under anesthesia, getting out of that. I mean, my hair was falling out. I went from being so fit having this big business to now I had bed sores. I, I had lost my career, not to mention my confidence. Um, I barely had any hope left. And I, I love that you mentioned God because that's who I turned to. I had to believe in something bigger than me. And I think that when I was at my lowest point and I prayed and I asked for help, that's when my life started to change. And so I love that you talk about God, um, but a lot of people don't like that. You know, I mean, even when I did my TED Talk, one of the first things they said is don't talk about God. Yeah. Well, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Kiss my ass. I, I'm <laughs> done. No, I'm done. I'm done with the don't. I'm done. I'm done with everybody's stuff. This is my show. And a lot of, thank God, a lot of the people that follow They've got the memo and, you know, I've got people that freak out over every, everybody's, that, that's what this is about. You're an expert because you're not a pussy. And we've already done a stream today with Dr. Bill Janishek with the Los Angeles Tribune. It was supposed to be all these notes on something else and it just railroaded on pe people that are pussies, people that are the victim. They are, it's just poor me and it's a constant pity party. And you know what? I am, I'm the professional at that sometimes where I have to literally say to myself, stop. This is enough. Like get, and people are like, where are you? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm really low. I'm really down. The queen of happiness is really in a bad place right now. And where the world is right now is affecting me last three days. I'm better today, last night, but I'm just, I'm afraid for people with the choices I see them making. I'm afraid at their thought process that they don't even have a thought process. It terrifies me. I'm afraid at how soft our society has gotten. It's just everybody's looking, complaining about everything and passing the buck and not taking personal responsibility. So when I saw the opportunity that you might come on this show, guys, she's been on TED Talks. She's been on huge national shows that I want to ask you about later just because I'm nosy. You, you know, it's a big deal to have the guests that we have. And I want you to flip and listen to this woman and know it's not a wrestler. She's not an, well, she is an athlete, not the kind that you're used to me interviewing, but such a story. Hey, I, I was sponsored by Nike at one point. Get out. And I set a record in the state of Texas for running the mile right. fastest. Now I'm sure that was broken a long time ago, but to set a, a record for the mile, I'm very competitive. And I think that 
my athleticism and growing up being a dancer and I, and I ran track, I was a miler, is what helps me in every aspect of my life. It, it, and all the hard times that we go through and the challenges, you develop that grit to get through those times. I think that's how we get through it. And we all, thank you for sharing that you were low. I think all of us have had points of just feeling low and thank goodness we can connect with each other and we can share that because that's how we get back up again, knowing that we're not alone. Cause I felt so alone on my struggle for so long. I thought nobody is going to understand the pain that I live with. I don't want anybody to know I'm in pain. I don't want to ask for help. It was really hard for me. I, I felt, I think growing up, you know, being taught that you just, you just keep going. You just hide your crazy and be a lady and, and suck it up and cowgirl up all those sayings where that was like my motto. And it helped me get through a lot of situations. It helped me to get the grip, to get back up again. But it was really when I had to acknowledge my feelings, not get stuck there, not stay there, but at least acknowledge it so I could process it. And that's not, that's not easy. Everybody wants a transformation, but most people don't want to do the work. No, to they don't. Get the transformation. Again, again gotta get up. yeah, every day you got to be willing to do stuff that's uncomfortable or you don't feel like doing or it's inconvenient. But if you want to have the life that you've always dreamed of and you want to have a better life, then you got to do the hard stuff and you have to decide that you want to be the victor of your life, not the victim. I'm like you. I'm like, I don't have, I don't want to hang out with the doggy downers. I want to hang out with people who are like passionate and inspired and like you. And, and look, a lot of people think, oh, Amberly, she's always so positive. I have to work to be positive. I mean, it's, it's a daily practice of flipping um, and shifting my perspective. And the best way to do that is to get grateful every day. And it's not always easy. So I say I have a, a gratitude practice because I practice at it and I'm not always good at it, but I still practice and I have accountability. I think that's huge too, to have somebody that you're talking to, you're connecting with that you can be accountable for who, who will also check in on you. Another thing that you said in one of your talks was the gratitude and we can talk about that in a minute again more extensively but something huge that you said that i loved that i loved mm-hmm. was community and not just you said the nurses but you said your clients you said the fact that you felt needed and that you could still do meal plans or do exercise regimes and send them out like that you said it's almost like you needed them more than they needed you and that really struck a chord with me because So many people that are listening, either through the Realm Network or the brand right now or patrons, because we're on Patreon, the band and I, you know, you think I mean, you're you're pledging each month to support us. And thank you so much to God for that. Like your 350, whatever amount of money it is, it allows us to create art. But sometimes I feel like I should be paying them because they hold me accountable for our weekly chats or video calls or whatever. When I see that come up. On the calendar, I don't care what you put on your calendar. If you're super depressed, find something healthy, please. Healthy, healthy. Find something healthy, whether it's a podcast or it's a show or it's I'm going to meet a friend or just go by myself or I'm going to go to the Humane Society or an animal shelter and I'm going to volunteer and walk some animal who probably is in the exact same boat as me, depressed or maybe physically injured in some way. There are so many things that you can do. Put it on your calendar. Have something, Mm -hmm. even if it's Google, hold you accountable so that you've got something to look forward to. But, you know, you can say all that you want about I'm an expert, not an expert, but you are an expert because I grew up with a father when I was born that went off the Mississippi Bridge, ripped his neck open, lost almost every bone in his body was reconstructed with metal from his femurs to his shins to his thigh bones 17 18 men women and the the police force donated the back of their 
their back, their skin off their back. And he looks like a calico cat and it's sunken in and he's in massive pain. And, you know, the grit, the buck buck up camper, all that. Like, I I, I didn't even say anything. I was terrified because I saw a man. What's that? How old were you? Born when it happened. They brought the clothes bleeding. His officer, he was on duty. He was a, a police officer. They brought the clothes folded, knocked on the door. My mom tells a story and said, you know, your husband has died. Here are his clothes. And he did die. And they resuscitated him after they pronounced him dead. He was a cop? Yeah. And he was he was on a motorcycle patrol and somebody, a drunk driver hit him and killed him. But he was resuscitated. So two wow. years in the hospital. Two Shy of a month, uh, one month. So almost two years being reconstructed in the most immense pain that you can. And I never hear him complain. Even to this day, I can see the, the, the Bionics back then were crap. That was, you know, late 70s. And yeah. they didn't have what they have now. And just even if they had pristine Bionics, like to have your whole body put back together, like he should have been dead from poisoning being in the river is crap and feces and just, you know, yeah. waste. and he survived it. They brought him back. They resuscitated him. They, they built him back. But just seeing that pain, like I have never felt like, and I'm sorry to say this guys, like I see some of the stuff you post wimpy dimpy grow up, you know, like you got some blonde haired hot chick here who has been through the ringer and she's going to tell her story and she's not complaining. And I use stories like yours to shut up for myself. Like my bad three days of being in the dark because I live by a biker bar that's too loud or I couldn't pay my phone, whatever it is. Like Mm -hmm. who cares? There is somebody who's got it worse than you. And whether it's gratitude or thinking about that, like, you know what? I am really down today, but somebody's got it worse than me. I think I'm going to reach out to somebody online or a neighbor or give somebody a call because it's going to, number one, make them feel better. But number two, it's going to make me feel better. The gift of service. like you Service about. is what saved me. And people ask me all the time, well, how could you be of service when you were stuck in a hospital bed for so long? How could you? How could you? Oh, my gosh. There was so much I could do. I was focusing on everything that I could do. Because there was a moment that I was spiraling down into a depression and I, all I was doing was staring at my leg that was held together by these metal rods. And it was like a science experience or experiment because I could see the inside of my leg. And there was this weird part of me that was like, you know, being a, a trainer and knowing all the muscles and the oh, anatomy. Oh, so that's what the striations look like. That's what the gastroc looks like. And you could just, it was all open. And I would stare down at that. And I started really going into that spiral of, oh my gosh, what if they amputate my leg today? Oh my gosh, what if my husband never loves me again? What if I can't chase after my children? Oh my gosh, what am I? And then I started going all in the ego of, oh, I'll never wear a bathing suit again. I'll never have a Brazilian butt. Like all these things were going through my head. And then the minute I started writing thank you notes to people, because my mom, I grew up where it's like big on writing thank you notes. And so I was writing thank you notes um, as a, I didn't want to forget to write somebody a thank you note for the flowers or the food or all the journal, the things that they brought me in the hospital or just coming to visit me. And I noticed when I would write the thank you note, how it started shifting my perspective and think, made me think of all the things that I could do. And then I thought of, well, what can I still do? I can still call my clients and check on them and make sure that they're, you know, either working with one of the other trainers that worked with me or they were working on their own and they had their exercises in hand, food plans, I was even given the nurses in the hospital exercise tips and my room was like, I was on the orthopedic floor. So everybody on the orthopedic floor, a lot of them were having like hip replacements, knee replacements. I was the youngest person on the floor. They would come in my room and hang out. I had my own fridge because people were bringing me food and I wanted to eat as healthy as I could. So I was doing everything I could do that was in my control and Nurses would come in and they would tell me their problems that they were having and I would sit and hold space for them. So sometimes 
you know, when you're struggling, if you could take your mind off of your struggles for a minute by being of service, and sometimes all that is, is holding space for somebody. And if you can just reach out with a phone call, you know, I'll never forget. There was one of my clients that called me in tears and she didn't know I was in the hospital yet. And she like found out, but she wasn't, she didn't know how serious it was. Um, And she started crying saying, I'm having a baby. I don't want another baby. How could this be? Like she was like, I didn't plan on this. This is too much. And she was freaking out. And I found myself saying, well, you know, I'm going to be out of the hospital soon and I can babysit for you. And I was like, and suddenly she stopped crying. I had something to look forward to. I was going to get to babysit. And so being of service really works both ways. You can, you don't have to fix everything. No, a lot of times people just need to know that you're there. And so there's so much you can do to be of service. And, you know, my daughter, Ruby and I, she's turning 13 tomorrow's her birthday. Back in December, we got hit by a car. We were riding our little razors, our little scooters. And we were almost through the crosswalk when a a guy came flying out and hit us. Thankfully, we were both thrown and not rolled over. And I have had to work on shifting my mindset so much that even when we were in the ambulance, I was asking myself, what am I learning from this? What can I learn from this? When we got to the hospital, I was so filled with gratitude that it wasn't more serious. We were waiting to get her CAT scan back for her head. They were making sure her her brain was okay. And I just kept telling the nurses, thank you so much for taking care of us. Thank you for what you do. I appreciate you so much. I'm just, it could have been so much worse. I'm so grateful that we're alive and it's not worse and that you put us in the same hospital bed so we can be together. And the lady next to me was pregnant and having some kind of like, I think she had spotted or something and I don't know the details, but she was not nice. And she just wasn't nice or or grateful or showed any appreciation to the doctors or nurses. And I could see how busy it is. It's COVID is going on. Do you know those nurses brought us food? Yeah. Food. We got out of the hospital faster than the girl would. We got hit by a car and we got dismissed from the hospital faster than she did. And I think that that is because kindness is, you know, it's contagious. And when you show appreciation and gratitude for people, they feel appreciated and they want to do the same for you. And I wasn't being grateful because I wanted them to let me out sooner. I mean, I wanted to get out of there, but I've just learned, I've practiced it every day and I'm truly grateful for the little things. And it's something, you know, you, you were talking about how we can get caught up in things not going our way or having a bad day or whatever. But sometimes what I do to, and this goes for, even if I'm really anxious about something or scared to do something, like if I'm doing some big event that I'm speaking at and I, you know, I told a, a client of mine, I said, I'm so nervous. I'm speaking at this event. And she said, Amberly, you went through 34 surgeries. You can get on that stage and talk. And I was like, Oh Yeah. So I think sometimes you have to think about how far you've come and that's a quick way to give you a boost of confidence, to get you set on, you know, all the possibilities and all the things that you can do and just the power of the human spirit. I mean, your dad, how amazing is that? My husband is a chippy, so he used to ride a motorcycle. He's retired now. He was a lieutenant commander. He was a sergeant when we met and he was a chippy. And I swear I only, I was like, okay, well, he also rides a Texas chopper. So I'll go out with him because he's got a cool bike, Um, but he's retired now. But that your story with your dad just really touches my heart. I mean, I feel like when you ride a motorcycle, it's not when or if you're going down, it's when, because it's, it's going to happen. I mean, I don't know many riders who haven't, so I'm not saying that to make people scared or anything but be safe out there god i hate them no offense i see them and i i just have and i i I see people with the signs they start hearing seeing bikes and then i i see so many bikers that are not being safe and that makes me really mad and my high school sweetheart was ahead of me on a motorcycle driving 
recklessly and was decapitated in front You're of me. You're kidding me. No, I'm not. You know, and like I watched that and that was just like, so if you ride, good for you. We play a lot of shows with bikers, but I've had enough bikes. Now, that brings me to another question. Um, my dad wasn't so nice. And I mean, it's it's been years. We're cool now. We've gone through great you know, lengths to repair things, but he was an, he was pretty angry. He didn't take it out on me and he wasn't like abusive, but he was, well, he was pretty mad, you know, cause he was in massive amount of pain. He didn't complain about it, but like, he wasn't the nicest guy. And I was just, ah, Muppet Bill, you know, and I'm sure, you Walking know, on shells, I'm sure. Just yeah. yeah. And, and I look back at photos and I, I think he was harder on me or meaner than he really was. Cause I look at the pictures and it's him in a body cast, trying to put together a Christmas tree or him in a complete, you know, isolation gimmick and trying to draw something with me. Or he taught me how to sew. He taught me how to build uh, DIY, carpentry, carpentry, gardening. Like I see all these pictures. Like, so he was pretty angry and pretty grumpy, but he still was trying to be a really good dad. Cause I can tell he wanted a boy. But my question to you is, um, and I'm glad that he did. Cause I love all the stuff that I know how to do. Were you always as grateful or would you have always been as nice in the ambulance had you had not had that accident? I mean, that's a fair question. Yeah, no, I think that my mama raised me right. She really, right. she she raised me to always say thank you, to always write thank you notes and to be grateful. And she set a really beautiful example for me. My mom is the sweetest lady, but... You don't want to mistake her yeah. kindness for weakness. And that happens a lot, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I was just in a business deal where I think they didn't understand me. <laughs> and my husband was like, oh, don't go Texas on them. But, you know, a lot of times when women, I think, especially are kind, it sends a message and I think it's changing a little bit, but it can send a message of, um, and especially when you have a Southern accent that, Oh, bless your heart. You're so sweet. You're so kind. You're so naive. And it's like, you can never judge a book by its cover. But I think growing up with a mom who was tough, who was not afraid to take a paddle to our butt, like she was like tough, but she was the sweetest mom ever. And I'm glad that she instilled the prayer and the gratitude and the kindness no matter what when I was growing up. And it made me think of a situation when I was in high school. So I was in, you know, that they have the different cliques, like the popular clique, sure. the cheerleaders, the nerds, the whatever. Yep. The cliques. Well, I was in the popular clique, but I was friends with everybody. I was friends with the nerd click, the, the, you know, chess club, French. Club. I was friends with everybody. And I remember the one girl in our little click and I, I don't like clicks. I just want everybody to be able to get along if, as well as possible. And she said, you know, if you're going to be friends with them, then you can't hang out with us. And I was like, well, I'm going to be friends with everyone that I want to be friends with. And it took a couple of days where she was like, oh, I guess she's just going to keep being nice to those people. And then they finally, they were my friends again. But, you know, I don't like that mean girl crap. I, I can't stand that, that click and that mean girl. And it breaks my heart when I see that happen, that mean girl or that bullying. I mean, I've seen it with my my youngest daughter recently, she's an equestrian and we bought her a horse. It's an old pasture horse, had a big scar down its face. It's It was skinny, out of shape. We bought that horse for her. Well, all the other girls at the barn have these fancy English horses or horses that are shipped in from Europe that are thousands of dollars. And there were some little girls that were making fun of her saying, oh, your horse is so ugly. You're never going to win anything. And she was in, she was in tears. Like, why do I, you know, I, I said, Ruby, you should be grateful that you have a horse that you get to do this. I said, and you're going to learn from each other. I said, you're going to learn from that horse and that horse is going to learn from you and you're going to be a team and you're going to get stronger every day. And she rode and got thrown over a three foot fence. And I thought, Oh Lordy, what have I done? 
she gets up. She's fine. She went to her first uh, championship or her IEL competition. She got champion out of 54 nice. girls. hard every day. She was grateful that she had a horse. I'm instilling that in her. And, you know, sometimes she doesn't always like it at night. Every night I get in bed with her and I'm like, well, what's the best thing that happened to you today? What are you grateful for? Because I believe what we think about, even before we go to bed, mm-hmm. it sets the tone for, for the next day. And so I always go to bed with a prayer and I talk to my daughter. I'm like, what's the best thing that happened? Nice. What was the most exciting thing? What What's one thing? you were grateful for. And a lot of times it's something silly from her, but at least she's getting that practice and she's seeing me practice. I think our kids, how we were raised, how we're raised really impacts. It can impact our lives and how we build relationships and what we do with our career, but mostly the person that we are. But, you know, we, we can choose to change little things like my dad, God love him. He's a good dad. He's a good man. He's the most negative man you've ever met in your life. I could say, Dad, I won the lottery. And he'd say, well, you're going to have to pay taxes on it. And I'd say, Dad, I am going to do my first. I said, Dad, I'm going to do my first motivational speech. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm so excited about this. And he's like, why would you do something like that? Don't you know that's the number two fear other than death itself? Oh, good luck with that. You know, and so I choose to be positive. I'm like, okay, how can I take a circumstance that might not be the greatest, but how can I see the positive or what can I learn from it? How can I spark some joy somewhere else in my life? And so, yeah, (laughs) my dad, I love him. He's awesome. He really is. He's the Biggest thing you've ever seen, but yeah, I have to gear myself up sometimes for his negative. You know, I have to. I, I have to. I have to tell you something. After my mom died, because we shared something, we were at like Target or something. I said, "You know what, mom used to call you behind your back," and he's like, "No, Minnesota accent." What she used to call me? I said, "Dad, she called you the prophet of gloom." Oh, I'm pretty negative. I mean, it's just like, and then I introduced him to the law of attraction, the secret. Now I can't say anything at all. But you know what the secret? I'm like, all right, dad, just let me vent for just a second. But like everything that comes out of his mouth is just like exactly like your dad. And I remember I had a huge uh, sponsorship, a company that wanted me to have their product and endorse it and have it in Home Depots and Lowe's. And I said, dad, I'm going out to LA because I moved from Century City to Nashville. I'm going out to LA. I'm going to meet with these people and I'm really excited. Oh, well, must not be a very big company if they're talking to you. Now, okay. I mean, I was just like, oh my God. Oh my God. That my husband's a little bit like that too. No, seriously. My husband, when I told him I was going to write a book, he's like, okay. And then when I got the call from NBC, they're like, Megan Kelly wants to interview you. And he's the first person I called. I was like, honey, they want to fly me to New York. They want to interview me on the Today Show. And he goes, well, good luck with that. You're on your own. I'm not going to New York. And I was like, okay. And then he did call later and he apologized. He was like, you know what? That is a big deal. And I was like, well, they want to fly you out too. And he's like, oh, well, that's cool. That's good. But I remember when I got my publisher, he was like, a publisher actually wants your book. And I'm like, yeah. Yes. So that's why I have good girlfriends like you. I was going to say, yeah, please. If you've got something that, and you know what? I've got like a bunch of really awesome things that are happening right now. And I'm so excited. And I really can't tell anybody about them. And I thought, can I share it? No, I can't share it there. And I can't share it here because people are going to take it the wrong way or they know you from a certain place or they think of you a certain way. And I'm like, I guess I'm just going to have to enjoy it. And I, and it's so weird because, and you would understand this for me, I, I, the, the patrons and the people like listening, sometimes you all are the only people that I can tell things to because you are sincerely happy for me or for Amber or for us. Whereas if I tell a friend, or a family member, people, I find the brighter you are and the more you shine, the more you really do shine like a mirror. Like you are 
when I step into the room, I'm a reflection to whomever is in front of me. And sometimes they don't like what they see. So I can't say to somebody, hey, guess what just happened? Because their immediate answer is, well, that didn't happen to me. And it can be, I was sexually harassed today. Like this guy literally at Home Depot last week started singing wet ass to me, coming up behind me and telling me I looked really good from behind as he wore an orange smock. And it was like, I was just in a hurry. I didn't have time to deal with it. And everybody's like, oh, you need to call human. You know what? That's a full-time job wherever I go because- if you saw what I looked like in my just crap Ola painting, caulking, helping a friend move, I wasn't advertising or looking for love in any place, right or wrong. And I was, I literally felt disgusted by him. And there's nothing that I can do about it because it would just take too much time. And what was my point in going into that? Oh, I, I can't tell anybody about that because immediately they'll say, well, no guys ever say that to me. I'm like, are you not listening to what? Like, it just goes, it's all about them. It, and my dad even, it, it turns, it's all about, well, it's not, I don't have that or I don't have a good friend. Like if I said, oh, I met this great woman and I interviewed her, oh, I don't have anybody like that. It's just like, you just run out of people to tell. So I just don't say anything anymore. And I found out about some really great news on a podcast. Somebody had me on two days ago and they're like, oh, so what about this and this? And I was like, well, what are you what are you what are you talking about? You know, and you they're like, me, I ah, swear, ah, you me, and I will be happy for you. You know what? Because when one of my friends achieves something that's really like they're they're like going after their goals, or they they get a big event, or they get a big sponsor, or they land a huge client, or they're launching a mastermind, or whatever it is. I don't get caught up in the comparison of that. For me, I'm inspired by that. And I think, well, if they can do it, then that means I can do it too. And I think that when we look at it in that way, and then also I totally understand what you're saying. Like when I got invited to go to the Today Show, my husband, when he was like, oh yeah, I'm going to go with you too. And they said, we'll fly him out too. Um, I He was like, well, you have to post it. You have to tell everybody. And I was like, no, I'm not telling, I'm not posting this. I'm not posting it until I'm actually at the studio with they're about to go on set. I said, then I'll share it. And the reason why is because I was struggling so much with, you know, the anxiety of it. And, and, oh my God, I I'm wanted to ask you that, like how freaked out were you? Because I, I watched that interview right before this interview and, and I'm, I'm, she's great. She's where she is. But there's something very calculated and cold sometimes about her where it's like. He was freaking amazing. Was she? Oh, good. my God. She was so good to me. Good. I'm glad. Oh, so kind. Um, and, and the reason I didn't tell a lot of people is because I could barely manage my own feelings about it. I mean, my book was about to launch. I was going to New York. I was going on national TV like it was a big deal. And so my publisher knew my publisher then called the editor and the editor knew. And she called me and she's like, Oh, Megan Kelly. Good luck with that. I hear she is such a bitch. And I was like, but she was good. I, I was like, why would you say that to me? That just, she goes, I hope and she said, I hope she's nice to you. And I said, you know what? This is an opportunity of a lifetime. I am so grateful for this opportunity. Good. I am so, I mean, that I get to do this is like winning the lottery. And I went and, well, the producer called me and spent like an hour on the phone with me asking me questions and telling me, don't wear a, a skirt too short. Like, make sure you fly in on this day. Like they were giving me all the directions. And I'm like, so um, what are they going to ask me? What is she going to ask me when I'm there? And she goes, you just need to keep your ears open and pay attention to what she asks you. And I was like, okay, thank you. Gotcha. So I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea how long they were, I was going to be on. No, no clue. Like no idea what they were going to ask me about. I didn't know if they were going to ask me about the sexual abuse, about the motorcycle accident, about divorce, about spousal abuse, about like, I didn't know what they were going to ask me. And I remember being backstage 
And I thought that I would just go on set and be sitting there and then we would go live. And they're like, no, you're going to walk on. So we're going to play a little video. Then you're going to walk on. And I'm like, do I walk in front of the table or behind the table? I was so nervous. And they played the video. I was like, oh my gosh, where'd they get those pictures? What, where'd they get that video? And I'm like, then she said, Amberly Lago, come on out. And I was like, oh my God, that's me. She was so amazing, so kind. Yeah. We had to cut to commercial. She leaned over and she grabbed my hand and she said, you know, that part in your book where you talked about having a PhD and suck it up. She goes, I relate to that. Me too. And I was like, wow, she read my book. And the producer told me that Megan Kelly reads people's books. And I was like, she really read my book. And afterwards, now she might say this to every guest. She probably does. But she said, Amberly, I could have had you on for the entire show. Thank you for being here. You're just incredible. That's so good. Oh, my gosh. So then it gets better. Afterwards, I brought her book. And I asked the producer, I said, do you think she would sign her book for me? She goes, oh, yeah, she'll do that. Just after she's done, go over and ask her. So I take her book over to her and I'm like, Megan Kelly, you're such an inspiration to me. Could you please sign your book? She goes, oh, yeah, I'll do that. But no, go get your book. We need to get your book. I want to take pictures with your book. I want your book to fly off the shelves. She spent time taking pictures with me close up, far away. I was like, oh my gosh, I only was a bestseller the first day I published my book because I had that opportunity. I mean, the power of media. So oh, that girl. was Isn't the that best days of my life. It was for me, seriously, little old me, small town in Texas, grew up and moved to California. I didn't even own a computer when I decided to write my book. I hand wrote most of my book, bought a computer, went to the Apple store, took lessons on how to work it, um, wrote every day. Like I set aside time to write. And then, you know what? I, I just shared why, how I think I got the publisher. I was at a conference for authors. It was author 101. I didn't know about publishing. I needed to learn. So I signed up and I thought how, you know, I, I got to learn this stuff. The morning of the conference, there's a guy running for the elevator and the elevator's just about to close. And I stuck my foot in my arm out and I was like, hurry, come on in. And he's like, oh, thank you so much for holding the elevator for me. I said, you're welcome. Anyway, we get to the conference. I look who's there at one of the booths. That's a publisher. The guy held the elevator door open for, and I started holding that elevator door open for me, opened the door for a conversation for him to even take a look at my book. And so I think that everything we do makes a difference. We never know, you know, who we're going to meet. And so I always say, be kind to everybody. You never know who somebody is. You never know who they might introduce you to. Be kind because it's from your heart. But I, I wish that more people could be kind and because you never know where that will take you. I was bumped up one day from wrestling. Uh, no, what was it? Yeah, I no, I was bumped back from first class into coach. And then some guy was wrestling around and was bumped back into coach with me as well. The first class was full. Ooh. Those are my wrestling days, bros. They flew me first class and I kept my miles and bumped myself up. And it was lovely. Uh, before 9-11, it was a different time if you traveled. I, I long for those glory days of, I called it travel surfing. I didn't know what time my flight was. It didn't matter. I could just show up. And if I was 20 minutes late, they'd put me on the next one out. And it didn't matter how many suitcases I had or how heavy oh, they were. Oh, wow. Those were the days. Those were the days. Like, it was it was the glory days. And I just remember this guy sitting down next to me. And um, I didn't know that he got bumped at the time. But I looked down at his hands. And his hands were just like, I mean, he wasn't gay. So I was like, what's the deal? This guy, I just looked at him and I just said. <laughs> you cracked me up. I, it was true. He had like the most perfect manicure. And I, and I said, bro. I, I look said, at hands too, though. I, I look at hands and feet. I said, yeah, I said, bro, I said, you're definitely not playing for, you know, the other team. So I said, what gives? I said, you've got really nice hands, not hitting on you. I see the wedding ring. And he just smiled and he said, um, 
He said, well, I, I got bumped from first. And I said, well, yeah, I figured you didn't belong back here. I said, I, I, I luck out once in a while, but I, you don't belong back here with the heathens. And I just said, what's your story? You know, and of course, he's a billionaire and his plane was broken and he was thought he was flying first class and blah, blah, blah. He, he sells oil rigs in Louisiana. And, um, you know, I asked him, I said, could you just give me some advice? And he said, and I'll never forget it. Or I should change that and say, I will always remember it. And he said, uh, treat everyone as though they're dying. He said, that's the key to my success and my billions, not millions. My billions is I treat people as though they're dying. And that really stayed with me and resonated with me forever. And um, and I didn't mean to say like anything badly about Megan. I just heard that she is kind of cold sometimes. So I was glad to hear you say something positive. I didn't mean to be Debbie down or negative Nilly on that one. Um, no, she's had got a reputation for that. You know, well, she's got a reputation for that. And I mean, I couldn't believe just how generous she was with her time. And I mean, she spent time. My, I had my daughter with me. My daughter got to meet her and she just bent over and was talking to my daughter and took time to talk to my husband. And I mean, you never know in those situations how somebody's going to be. But you, I see a lot of times um, speakers, you know, when I go at events, you see how they are. I like to, to see, observe people and how they treat others and then how they are on stage. And I like when people are just like authentic. And, and they might be having a bad day. I know I can tell you I have been off in my own world and I'm trying to like regroup myself backstage or something. And somebody I comes know, and says some yeah. dumb, dumb crap. Like they will just don't talk dumb. Don't say dumb things to people like entertainers and whatnot. Like they'll just say, the, oh, oh, wow, you sure look fat. You were a lot thinner in wrestling. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Screw you. But I was going to say the um, be nice, be nice. The the elevator gimmick where you were, that's the wrestling term, the elevator thing like that's guys, that's God. Like that is a God wink. That is God saying, all right, she's at this thing and she needs a publisher and I am going to make that happen. I don't think for one second that that's just fate or karma or whatever. Like that is definitely a higher power arranging things so that it works in your favor and both people's favor, because obviously your publisher is probably very happy that you are. His oh my wife. gosh. That I love that you say God wink. I say the same thing. I always say that's a God wink. And that night, the publisher who, by the way, I could never get the head guy of the publishing house. I could never get him on the phone. The other guy, the elevator guy, I love him. I could always get him on the phone. The other guy, the one that owned the publishing house, never, I never talked to him once the day my book published, uh, he called me and he said, hey, uh, Amberly, we just want to tell you, we've never had a book that's done numbers like this. We've never seen numbers like this. I wasn't even paying attention to numbers. I really wasn't. And, and he said, you know, your book is an officially it's a bestseller. And I'm like, it is. He goes, yeah, you should go take a look at that. And I was like, oh, well, how do I do that? Like, I really had no idea. And when I went to Amazon, so this is crazy when I didn't know how to market or, or any of that. And the publisher said, we don't market for you. We don't um, do any of that. If you want to sell the book, it's up to you to really brand yourself. And I'm like, OK, let me figure this out. And I remember, you know, right before my book was publishing, I was down in this room right here. And I had a stack of my books all stacked up and I was on the floor taking pictures. And my husband came in the office. He's like, what are you doing? I said, well, you know, Brene Brown is launching her book and she's going to New York and this is what she posted. So I'm going to do the same thing. And he said, don't you think Brene Brown's going to be upset if she sees you kind of doing the same thing? And I said, honey, Brene Brown is never going to notice somebody like me. She's never going to know who it's not even the same book. I'm just kind of doing ex what she's doing. So like, I, this is what I guess I'll do. The day my book published, it was a bestseller. I took a screenshot of it next to my two favorite authors, Brene Brown and Dr. Wayne Dyer. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know? And I was like, I better take a screenshot of that soon because I know it's not going to stay there long, but I got a screenshot of it. Isn't but you that just cool? never know when you have a passion 
for something, when you really tap into your why, like I, it was so hard. Writing a book was hard for me. I'd never done that. It was, some people say it just poured out of them. For me, it was cathartic. I talk about some very hard topics to talk about and it was healing. It was really healing, but I didn't know how to do all that stuff. And I built my Instagram. I had somebody reach out to me today, very well-known podcaster. And he said, so what do you do for your Instagram? Do you use like an Instagram growth app or you have somebody? Do you? And I'm like, no. I said, it's a lot of time, blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> that I've been building my platform. I feel very connected to my followers, their family. You know, they've mm-hmm. been along with me the whole journey. And I'm telling you, social media, because of it, I had like, 300 followers when I first started. It was mostly friends and family. And I built my Instagram up. So when I went to launch my book, I set up book signings in every city that I could go to. It was me. My publisher didn't. I was calling those, you know, if I could land one, my my publicist landed me one spot at Barnes and Noble. And I was like, I'm going to make you proud. I'm going to sell out of books. I'm going to I had no idea. We sold out of books three times. My husband had to come home, get more books. They never buy books from the author. Three times I sold out. Because I sold out three times at one store, I could book a book signing anywhere I went across the country. So if I was doing a speaking event in North Carolina, I would call the Barnes & Noble in that city and I would say, hey, I'm going to be there. I'm, I'm doing an event. I said, I'd love to tell all my friends in that area that I'm going to be there so I could meet them. I sold out at these cities. Can I come to your store? And every single time they said, yes, every single time I sold out. And that's the power of social media. When you're very present, when you're open, when you connect, when you have a community and um, every city. And it's because I spent time on it. You know, I met on my podcast. I can't wait to have you on my podcast too. I've got some crazy stories to tell you that are nothing to do with any of this. So I would, I would love to come on. What's that? We've got it in the books. You're coming on. I can't wait. I can't can't wait. And I want to go backwards and respect your time. So we'll, we'll go to the top of the hour if that's okay. Backwards, meaning why should people buy your book? Like, I want to know why, why should, cause I put it on shameless plug. Here it is. Amazon.com slash shop slash Goldilocks rocks. Look for, um, look for books. I love. Oh, I'm glad my alarm's going off right now. Uh, give me two seconds to figure out if somebody's breaking in my house or if I need to pull out my new nine millimeter gun and <laughs> I love you. Shoot somebody. When are we going shooting together? I would, I would flip and love that. I don't know why this is manufactured. Okay, hold on. Nobody's breaking in, but it is going off. If it goes off one more time, I'll quick go. Who knows? As long as nobody's breaking in. Um, Three things that I wrote down that I wanted you to give me the Reader's Digest version of. It hurts to be pretty. And uh, spirit and prayers for small victories and perspective. Like, first off, the name of your book is True Grit. To grit and grace, um, tragedy into triumph. People should just buy it because you're awesome. Like, I don't even care if you, well, you have to read it, but you should just buy. Okay, hold on. Jesus, hold on. Give me a second, bro. <laughs> I'm going on with the alarm. I don't want to interrupt you with that. Hold on. It's good to support people. And it's like 13 or $14. Everybody's got that. You know what? Read the book, be inspired, and then give it as a gift. There, you cheap bastards. You can double dip in your money 
And then plus your purchase helps me on, on my Amazon, uh, uh, what do you call it? Influencer affiliate. So I will tell you about it when we're off the air. And if you, you can't buy from yourself. So if you shop on Amazon, you should be using my link unless you're doing a charity link. That's different, but I'm about as charity as they come. So I always tell everybody to use it. Um, I, I know all about all that. So please let me teach you what not to do on another, when we're off or whenever. Um, buy the book. And I always tell people buy the book and then read it and then give it as a gift because you, you're double dipping and it's a great bang for your buck. You should just, you should support people if they're on my show or anybody else on a lot of people on the brand, they don't do book interviews. I do because I know how hard it is to write a book and how much it takes of of yourself. And, and that needs to be it's just the, the legacy needs to keep on going. So buy the book, but she's going to touch on four chapters that I looked at that I was like, Hmm, I want to know more. And then tell us in your words, you know, why, why should people spend their $14? Because, and then maybe just give us four or five minutes of your story. Totally. People do this. I do everything backwards because I just let it go. And then if people are here this long in the, in the hour, then they're, they're definitely really interested. They're going to look you up anyway, because you're hot, you know, but we want to show that there's some. Girl, there's some I love you. But it's true. Today has been one of those days. I'm like, oh, maybe I should have put some makeup on. And no, you're so pretty, so pretty, and all of your stuff. And I saw what you wore, a little matronly on, on Megan's uh, interview. I was like, that's really that pretty. Was, it was very thought pretty. about what I was going to wear on Megan Kelly, actually, yeah. because smart, smart move. Um, I, I and you know what? I, I remember asking one of my girlfriends, and she's like, oh. You should wear a cowboy hat. And I'm like, no. why would I wear my cowboy hat on Megan Kelly? Like, I don't wear, no. But I wanted to be approachable. Yep. And elegant and, and not piss and all the women off. You did good. Thank you. I was yeah. like, now I know why people need stylists because you should have seen me trying to figure out what to wear at Nordstrom's because I mostly wear like what I have on now, like workout yeah. stuff or, you know, I didn't really own that many nice clothes. Um, but I really wrote the book and I, with my intention of if I can help one person, I really thought if I can help one person overcome shame, anxiety, depression, the thoughts of not wanting to live anymore and give them the tools to build grit and show themselves the grace to do it with kindness along the way. And I can teach them to never give up by examples that I share in the book, then my pain is turned to purpose. And so I really wrote the book thinking, well, I hope my mom will read it. And then to be invited to do things like a, a, a TEDx and be on the doctor's TV and Hallmark, and it is mind blowing. And I share that not to give myself a pat on the back, but I share that because if I can do that, anybody can do that. And I think there's something like 80% of people that want to write a book. And if you want to write a book, your story needs to be shared because it could be someone else's survival guide. So set aside time to write it. And if I, like I said, if I can do it, you can do it. I love that answer. That's wonderful. And what about the one chapter? Just it hurts to be pretty. Oh, you, That's you like my uh, titles for the chapters? Yeah, I, I do. Like, I, I want to know what 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 is that what is that chapter about? Um, you know, I think a, that chapter is a lot about um, how I s- learned to suck it up. You know, hmm. um, how I learned to hide my crazy and be a lady. Like, um, but that's not good. Like, I, I don't feel like my feelings were validated. Um, and it took whatever I could do. So in track, it didn't matter if I was throwing up, the coach was just like off the track to throw up and we're counting on you to get us to district. You have to win. So you better just keep going. When I was, um, a dancer, it was all about how I looked. I mean, I got booked for jobs based on my appearance. Then when I got into fitness training, I got booked for jobs. I was on the cover of magazines and on vitamin labels because of the way I looked. So, so much of 
my identity and my worthiness came from what I could do, what I could produce, the money I could make and how I looked. And when that's taken all away and you're stripped down to nothing, you have to really reevaluate like who you are as a person. And I like to say it's, you know, nowadays, especially like on Clubhouse and stuff, you start a room and you say, I'm an author, speaker, coach, whatever. That's your identity. But that wasn't who I truly was. Who I am is how I can love, how I can give, the kind of mom I am to my daughters, the kind of wife I am to to my husband and the connection that I have with God and all the other stuff can come and go. And, and, but it, that's, that's who, so I learned to, it's not, it's not, it hurts to be pretty. It's not about sucking it up. It's not all about the way you look. It's about the way you love. That's great. All right. So I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. I ordered it today, so I will put it on. I do have a few other to read too. So I read it in little chunks I have a stack of books right now, but you know what I'm loving is I'm loving doing audible. I don't know if you do audible. I do audible at the gym. I love audible because I can listen, especially if I'm interviewing a guest, I can listen to their book um, when I'm driving or in the car and I love it, but I love the paperback because I'm a big highlighter and, and I like to like bend pages over and mark things and but I like Audible. Um I when too. I did the Audible version of my book, it was so hard. Did you read did you read it yourself? Like speak it? Yes. It That's was awesome. Hard. It was harder than I thought because I'm not I get kind of like when I have to read, I'm getting better at it, but I was nervous like to read. You're in a booth and you're reading and I caught first of all I caught so many mistakes in the book. I'm like how did we miss that? Look at the, I'm like, I would tell the guy, the director, like, there's a mistake. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. Yeah, nobody cares, girl. Yeah, it's like, whatever. but yeah, I did the audible version the, the week before COVID. <laughs> After that, the studios shut down, but I, I did the audio the version. And so it was like perfect timing because then the studio closed and I wouldn't have been able to do it. So it was a little harder than I thought, but it made me feel good to talk to other friends who said the same thing. Like my friend Trent Shelton, who's, who's amazing. He was like, yeah, it was hard. You know, I had to get out in the middle of the session and do some push-ups. I was like, I need some air. I got to do some push-ups. So I got out and did some push-ups and I'm like, okay, I can breathe. I'm back in the booth, you know, but it, it took, hours to do but I'm glad when you finish something like that and you finish something that's a hard or scary or it's a challenge or it's new it gives you the confidence that's what builds confidence mm-hmm. to keep trying new things to keep, keep going you know, keep doing leveling it. up your life yeah if you had to do a trailer because I'm going to use this in your promo oh, what, happened? What, happened? what happened to you what happened to you to make well, write the book as far as the accident? Because I know that all okay. the other stuff. Well, I mean, being a former professional dancer, sponsored by Nike, elite trainer, my whole life was fitness. And in the blink of an eye, everything changed when I was hit by an SUV, waking up out of a coma and being told that I was going to have to amputate my leg. I had a 1% chance of saving my leg. 34 surgeries later, I held on to that 1% chance because it was my glimmer of hope. And thankfully, I had an incredible team of doctors, support of my family and community, and they saved my leg. And this has been a tragedy that has turned into a triumph because now I get to connect with people um, inspire them to overcome adversity and turn adversity into their advantage and just teach them how to build grit to get through the tough times and give themselves a lot of grace along the way. Perfect answer. Thank you. I, I have to say, like, okay, I told you I that I'm technology is like I'm learning. I didn't own a computer before I wrote my book. So this is all new and you're actually having me jump out of my comfort zone. Good more comfortable with just doing this because 
I love talking to you, but the minute my face comes on the screen, I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's so different for me. It's it's so I'm my goal. One of my goals is to get better about looking into the camera. I'm just I was gonna just going to say, I, wanna, I want you. To you. I want you to look into your camera right now. Okay. So that's how I've been doing the whole time. And I haven't. I'm looking at you. No, but that's, that's wonderful. But when you're doing really important stuff, I want you to practice. Watch me. Watch your screen right now. Okay. So watch the screen. So if I'm talking to you right now, do you see my face? And I'm talking to you right now. That's editorial. And that's like uh, unscripted TV, reality TV. They're going to look like, when I do unscripted, they make you, here's the lens and they make you talk off like this. But like all of a sudden there's a big difference if I'm talking like this. Yes. I, I've trained myself to just do so. I'll enjoy you when I play it back and edit. But for the most part, I'm here instead of here. Okay. So you interesting. Something huge to, to look into that camera. You see me well, now looking at you? Yeah. And it's weird. And it's weird. And I'm looking at the camera too. And now both of us. Will, so as long as we're right here, like just smile really quick and do a slate. Not so, not, not, not such a big smile. Like I have to do my, okay. Not, no, okay, me, well. I'm doing it for me. So here's another slate. Wait, I can't stop smiling. Yeah. You can still smile. Just like, don't, don't crow's feet at all and crack my Botox from the screen. There you go. Um, and I always make sure that I do that I do some of those because sometimes I need a thumbnail and I didn't get that. And I'm like, you know, so there's all, yeah. these, things, so all these things that you learn and you grow and you get better at. And I'd love to ask you when we're off really quickly, like what program that you wrote in, if it was Google Docs or like, what did you use? You know, because that's I just write all my book stuff on my phone and then I email it to Google and I correct it and Grammarly Google and I don't even understand Google Docs but I guess you can write a book really hard for me and so um I had an experience where so my publisher you know here I I didn't say this on air but like my publisher I never got paid royalties so wait are we done wait save that let's close okay so ladies and gentlemen realm network get settled I'm gonna close so we can get done okay Ladies and gentlemen, top of the hour, Realm Network, Brand Fam, Russo's everything. We want to thank our special guest tonight, Miss Amberly. And I thought it was Legato, but it's not. It's Lago. How do you say it? Is that correct? Lago. 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 Lago or Lago? Lago. Lago. True grit, true grace, grace, my, my late mother's name, so resonates with me. We want to thank her. We want her to, where can people find you? Let's read which social is best for them. Uh, Instagram, yeah. huge. Instagram at Amberly Lago Motivation, AmberlyLago.com on the website. You can listen to the podcast, True Grit and Grace. And if you want some of the tips that I use every day to tap into my resilience, you can text me and I'll give you a downloadable free um, playbook to tap into your resilience. So just tap, uh, text me the word grit to 818-214-7378 and you'll get your free downloadable book. I like to give a little something so you can have a takeaway from the conversation. I love it. At the end, we always do this. We clap like the Muppets. Yay! Thanks, everybody. As always, stay safe out there and stay golden. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Just doing the daily check-ins on Patreon. Wanted to wish you the greatest start to your week. Come on over to Patreon. We're doing a lot of customized love. We just want to make sure everybody's getting the attention that they need and deserve, and that's merited. But we still want to come by on regular social media platforms and say thank you so much for being here, both for me and for the band. Love you, and as always, stay golden.